Hey guys, this is Margie Brown, an undergraduate student at Brigham Young University and a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I bring to you the Priesthood Diaries, an in-depth look at the restoration of the priesthood. Today we're covering the restoration of the Aaronic Priesthood. And so some of the questions we will be covering was who was involved in the restoration of the Aaronic Priesthood? Where did the restoration initially take place? What were the questions asked to get the Aaronic Priesthood, and things of that nature. So let's just dive right into it. We're actually going back into 1829, Harmony, Pennsylvania. And we have Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery translating the Book of Mormon. They're in 3rd Nephi, and they're learning about baptism and the proper authority. So they have a question about proper authority and baptism based on their translation. Joseph Smith does what Joseph Smith usually does when he has a question, which is ask in prayer. And he goes with Oliver Cowdery to a secluded spot and they both kneel down and pray. Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith get an answer to their prayer by a visitation from John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist answers Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery's question by conferring the keys of the Aaronic Priesthood. And if we flip to Doctrine and Covenants section 13, it's one verse long. It's John the Baptist speaking, and he says, Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which holds the keys of the ministering of angels, and of the gospel of repentance and of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. And this shall never be taken again from the earth, until the sons of Levi do offer again an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. End quote. I'm going to give you the same question I asked myself when I read Doctrine and Covenants section 13. How do we know so much about the restoration of the Aaronic priesthood when Doctrine and Covenants section 13 is only one verse long? And that's the only section in the Doctrine and Covenants about the restoration of the Aaronic priesthood. So what I have found is that in the section heading of DNC 13, we see that it's an extract from Joseph Smith history. So there's a lot more in Joseph Smith history. And secondly, um, Oliver Cowdery recorded some details as well. And the earliest recorded detailed account of the appearance of John the Baptist comes from a letters from Oliver Cowdery published in 1834. Now, The visitation happened in 1829, so it's good to remember that these letters are published in 1834, so it's actually not too long after. It's not 30, 40 years down the road, so their memory should be pretty good intact, and it's a primary source. Oliver Cowdery was there. It wasn't him recording it from Joseph Smith, and Joseph Smith also confirms that Oliver Cowdery was there. In these letters from Oliver Cowdery, that's where we see that this visitation came from a passage in 3rd Nephi. This passage was actually talking about Jesus Christ conferring authority to baptize. Obviously, after reading that, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery had questions about authority to baptize. If Christ had to give authority to people in the Book of Mormon, what does that mean for us now? That was probably the question on their minds. And not maybe in the exact wording as I did, but that was it's pretty close to the question that they would have had. A reason why the letters would be so detailed would actually be because the person that Oliver Cowdery was writing to 
wasn't there. And so that's why a detailed account would have been needed in the letters to describe the experience. Later on, Joseph Smith and Cowdery like, write down firsthand accounts several years after the appearance. And some of them are published, some of them were unpublished. The unpublished sources were closer to the event uh, of John the Baptist's appearance. And so when we look at these records, they corroborate the memory. So it, it's not just written down once or twice. And I think that's important to know that we have many accounts of this visitation. So the reason why Cowdery came out with accounts about this restoration of the priesthood was because Joseph Smith wanted efforts to record and publish a complete history of the church. So Cowdery wrote down his account in 1834. Joseph Smith's account would actually have been earlier, but if we look back in the history, we have Joseph Smith writing down multiple accounts and there's a publication effort but all these publications were delayed. So if you see a delay in publications in church history, we got to remember there was a mob that destroyed the church press in Independence, Missouri, which takes place in 1833. So getting back to the conferring of the Aaronic priesthood to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery. So if we go to Joseph Smith history in the same Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, compilation we have the joseph smith history and in verses 68 through 72 73-ish we get a better account of the restoration of the aaronic priesthood if we actually look at verse 69 that's the same verse that's in dnc section 13 word for word just so we know where that extract comes from in 68 we learn that the Aaronic Priesthood was conferred by laying upon of hands, and then afterwards, they are commanded to go baptize each other. Now, how do we know that it's John the Baptist from the New Testament? It's because the messenger, as just Smith calls him, called himself John the Baptist. So they were told who this angel was. The reason why I say 73 is kind of part of the restoration of the Aaronic Priesthood is because, I mean, it's the after effects of baptism. And if we look at the keys of the Aaronic Priesthood, part of it is baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. So 73, they, they're baptized and they get the gift of the Holy Ghost and Apparently, there was a lot of things prophesied to them. So, they had the spirit of prophecy. So, there's a connection between baptism and things that occur after baptism. I mean, if you go to the church website and look up restoration of the Aaronic Priesthood, the things that they highlight are between verses 68 and 72. John the Baptist explicitly states three keys of the Aaronic Priesthood. And I want to go over them real quick. So number one, the ministering of angels. Number two, the gospel of repentance. And three, baptism by immersion. What do these keys entail exactly? We actually see it most of the time every Sunday, or at least every Sunday that we go to church. 
where we see the sacrament is prepared, blessed, and administered. We are seeing these keys in effect in the sense of the keys of the ministering of angels and the gospel of repentance. I mean, part of repentance requires us partaking of the sacrament. And then baptism, I mean, sacrament is part of our baptismal covenants and renewing them every week. However, we also see that priests can baptize. This directly leads into the offices of the Aaronic priesthood. And I already mentioned priests, but I'm going to go over them in order. So we have deacon, teacher, and priest. If you go to the church's website under priesthood and priesthood keys, it states that the offices also include bishop. Not everyone will be bishop, but deacon, teacher, priest, anybody can become, and it's not a calling, while the bishop is a calling. After mentioning the offices, I think it's important to go over what are the differences. Deacons can pass the sacrament and they can help the bishop or even a branch president watch over church members by serving them and assisting with temporal matters. And temporal matters would be gathering fast offerings. Now, teachers, may they perform all the same duties that a deacon can, but they also have more opportunities to serve. They get to prepare the sacramental bread and water, and they now can serve as ministering brothers. Priests can perform all these duties of deacons and teachers, but they also have the ability to bless the sacrament. They can baptize and ordain others to the offices of priest, teacher, and deacon. When can a worthy male member receive the Aaronic Priesthood. They can receive the Aaronic Priesthood beginning in January of the year that they turn 12. I also want to take a peek at the priesthood offices in the early church and when we started seeing them. We have priest, teacher, and deacon in 1830. There were actually no deacons ordained until October of 1831. Our first bishop is actually also in 1831, Edward Partridge. That's in February of 1831, by the way. So this is when we start to see more organization. It's starting to look more like the church we see today. In consideration of more restoration that we see in modern times, I'm actually going to go back to 2017. And there was a letter given out stating some changes about temple policy regarding priests. And letter announced that in starting January 1st, 2018, priests may be able to perform baptisms for the dead. Before that, only those that held the Melchizedek priesthood could perform the baptisms. Only recently was that changed. This just comes to be another example that the Aaronic priesthood is still going through a restoration process regarding the policy. After policy changes like these, sometimes there are questions whether the validity of the church has changed. Uh, no, the validity of the church didn't change. It, it was just a change in policy. Sometimes people argue, hey, in the scriptures it says God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The, the idea that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His main focus, his main plan does not change. If changes in the church meant that the church was no longer valid, 
What does that mean for when Jesus Christ gives us the higher law? That is a drastic change from Mosaic law to a more celestial law. Did that change the validity of the church? Same concept here, except it's not law. It's more policy-based. And so just because a policy changes doesn't mean it changes the validity of the church. And I just want to reiterate that this change wasn't a change in doctrine. It was a change in policy. We read in the scriptures that priests can baptize. Now, for a while, only ordinances could be performed by those that held Melchizedek priesthood in the temple. That was just a policy. And for baptisms of the dead, that policy has changed because in the scriptures, it says priests can baptize. They have the authority to do so. With that being said, it's coming close to an end on this episode, but there's some last things that I want to say. And first of them being, I thought I knew a lot about the Aaronic priesthood until I did my research for this. Like, I knew deacons, teachers, and priests had different obligations, but I didn't know what they were. Secondly, when it comes to restoration, I mean, usually when I think of restoration, I think most of our history comes from the Doctrine and Covenants. It's a fair assumption because a lot of what we study about church history comes from Doctrine and Covenants. When we do the Come Follow Me or the youth doing seminary and it's on Doctrine and Covenants, that's where we get a lot of our history from. But not all of our history comes from the Doctrine and Covenants, but outside sources. It's like the Joseph Smith papers, Joseph Smith history. And I didn't know that a lot of our history about the Aaronic priesthood came from Oliver Cowdery's letters. I, I had no idea. So with that being said, take time to research a topic that you don't know a lot about. Sometimes you may think you know a lot about something, so even research into something you think you know a lot about it regarding church history, and I guarantee you, you'll learn a lot. We have some amazing access to resources now because of technology. A lot of the resources I use today, it came from Doctrine and Covenants, it came from Joseph Smith History, which is in the Doctrine and Covenants and Pearl of Great Price compilation, and then I also got some from the Joseph Smith Papers website. It's a really great website, and it's full of primary sources, and it's not just Joseph Smith Papers. There's some letters there from other people. It has some things with regarding Emma Smith and her primary sources, there's a lot of great resources out there. With all that being said, I'm happy to announce that this is the end of this episode. And let the restoration continue.